Hello, and welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast. My name is David, and with me again, like always, is Bobby. And in the sports world, all eyes are on the World Cup in Qatar right now. Yeah, it's been you know filled with a lot of controversy, but also it's the World Cup. It's it's a lot of fun. Morocco beat Spain today in a penalty shootout. Spain didn't even convert a single one of their penalty kicks. And then Ronaldo was on the bench for Portugal's game, and his replacement scores a hat trick. It's spicy. I think Spain decided today that, uh, you know, Japan was feeling bad about their PK attempts. And they were like, we're going to do even worse today to help, you know, make you not feel as bad. Uh, It was something to behold. It has to be demoralizing as a Spain fan. It seems like you just want to avoid penalties at all, all costs. I think they've only won off penalties once in the World Cup. I will take your word for it. But as much as we'd like to talk about this World Cup, and we have twice already, we're going to talk about some other, well, international stage controversies. Since this one has kind of been marred by controversy, I was wondering, you know, potentially what else has happened. Because there always seems to be something. There always is something that's happening. And FIFA kind of has a track record of not being the best organizing body. And I found a bunch of them. Yeah. Not necessarily, you know, FIFA's fault. There have been, you know, cases of match fixing, you know, assaults on the pitch. And even, according to a player, an act of God taking place on the soccer pitch to help them win a game. So it seems like, for whatever reason, on the biggest stages, a lot of different things can fall through the cracks and kind of uh, leave a blemish on different competitions. Yeah, and you hate to see it on the biggest stage. For the sake of fair competition, it's a bit of an insult. Slap in the face, some would say, from a sportsmanship perspective. I don't know what else to say. You just hate to see it. Yeah, they these are like bummers. I mean, when something happens and like there's like, for example, Diego Maradona, you know, hitting a ball with his hand and it going in the goal. That's unfortunate. But I feel like, you know, that's a ref issue. You know, they should have seen that and made the call. You know, this one, these feel bad. Like these two that we're going to focus on feel real bad for the teams that got the short end of the stick. So today I wanted to focus on some controversies that have led to rule or procedure changes. The way football is played on the international level, there are many things that are seen as standard procedure. Today, I'll be focusing on the no longer used golden goal and the reason why final group stage games are played simultaneously. I think on the surface, these rules make sense, but both apparently have been riddled with controversy. And you're going to learn about them today. Yeah, the the group stage one in particular just kind of surprises me because you feel like if one team knows what they need to do going into their final match, it just changes the whole complexion of the game. Or, hey, hey, buddy, let's just tie 0-0 and we can both go through to the next round. Yeah, I feel like that one, if you know, when you're asking the question, hey, why do they play the last game same time? I feel like it makes sense uh, when they're like, oh, it's just for fairness. And it's like, oh, okay, I can see why. And I think like for me personally, it's like my naivete was, you know, thinking that's never happened, though. You know, they they never had an issue with it, Um, but you'll, you'll see about it later on. We'll talk about it. First up, let's talk about the golden goal rule. So it's just a, you know, what is a golden goal in many sports? When teams go to extra or overtime, the next goal or the next point wins. This is commonly known as a golden goal rule or a golden point or sudden death overtime. This can be found in a lot of sports. Obviously, it's in soccer or association football. Uh, it's in hockey, field hockey. I guess sometimes baseball, it's kind of like a halfway. You know, if it's the bottom of the ninth and you hit, you know, you get a run, it's over. But for soccer, the rule hasn't been used since the 2006 World Cup in Germany on the international level. And actually, the rules for the golden goal and, and silver goal were removed from the laws of the game in 2004. So, Bobby, I have two questions for you. Mm-hmm. I guess three. Did you know that there's the, the laws of the game? Did you know about that? Oh, I, I do know the laws of the game. Um, 
I mean, I know that's a thing. I know that's what they're called. Just it sounds pretentious when you use laws instead of rules. Yeah, uh, yeah. I the English. What are you gonna do? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, question number one: When were the laws of the game first drafted? Oh gosh, I'd say eighteen sixty-five. Thereabouts. Ooh. Uh, you're just a tad bit late. Eighteen sixty-three. Which that's an insanely Ooh. good guess. I'll tell you, I listened to a 17-hour audiobook on the history of football tactics, so... Oh, well, you cheated then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, most modern sports formalize rules in the late 1800s. It's just like when globalization and sport, that's really where a lot of things blew up. You know, like basketball and baseball, too. Um, I feel like cricket was codified long before that, but the expansion of these sports, it's that era. Yeah, that's that's an incredible guess. And the second question, when was the last time the NCAA, which is the like governing body of collegiate sports, used the golden goal rule for soccer in America? So I know when we were in college, they still used it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 2022, did they stop? Yeah, I think they're stopping this year. Okay, mm, I'm on it. Yeah, two, two good guesses. Um, I've got a question for you, though. Sure. What is the silver goal? Okay, yeah, we can, yeah, let's do it. All right, so okay, there have been many iterations of the golden goal rule, and the silver goal is like a variant of it. Uh, so you go into extra time, and then if a team is leading in that first 15-minute extra time half, uh, the game would end. So basically, you wouldn't get two 15-minute halves. You would just play one if someone's winning, game. You know, the game's over immediately, and then if not, you play the second half. Um, that's the silver goal rule. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Who knows what's best? You know, golden goal, I understand. It, that seems fair in a, in a way. You know, it's like you should go attack and be aggressive. I think that's what initially FIFA had wanted was to promote aggression. But really what it ended up doing was promoting turtling. And because you, you play not to lose, you know, because if they score, the game's over. You know, there's no chance for you. OK, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I, I think both ways kind of promotes turtling in a way because you know you're like okay well you know let's just make sure we don't get scored on in this overtime if it's you know standard rules as it is today but maybe it's worse with golden goal because the match is just over you know you don't get a chance to attack again so in the past there was this brief period where a golden goal used to be worth two goals and that's the era where the story takes place the one that we're talking about in the 1994 qualification round of the caribbean cup which I don't think exists anymore. I think it's been discontinued. Is that correct? I think uh, I think it ended in like the 2010s, somewhere in there. I don't remember it happening recently. I don't remember a Caribbean Cup existing. Yeah, uh, I honestly don't know because I I don't really follow any of the Caribbean teams. Well, anyway, there were six groups with three teams each playing a round-robin format uh, in the qualification round. Group one had Barbados, Grenada, and Puerto Rico. They were actually playing in Barbados, which kind of makes this even more kind of interesting. The top team would advance to the first round, and that would be another group stage. There was only one match remaining for this group to be played, which was Barbados versus Grenada. Barbados lost in their first game to Puerto Rico 0-1. to Barbados beat Puerto Rico 2-0. to So Bob, I'm going to show you the table. What does Barbados need to qualify? So they need to win, and since only the top team advances in a group of three... Which, by the way, a group of three just playing once each is just dumb. But yeah, they need to win by two. Yeah, because they're playing Grenada. So Grenada has a goal difference of plus two. Barbados is minus one. So that Barbados needs to win by two. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
So they need to win by two. The game starts off ideally for Barbados. They're up two to zero late into the second half. Grenada scores in the 83rd minute. So Barbados is forced to kind of throw everything forward, score another goal before time runs out. And in the 87th minute, uh, defender Terry Seeley kicks the ball up. Terry Seeley plays for or played for Barbados, kicks the ball into his own net for an own goal, tying the game at two to two. Grenada shortly realizes after this that they can score in their own goal too and still be first in the group. So Barbados is forced to defend not only their net, (laughs) but the (laughs) net of Grenada. Three minutes pass. They managed to do it. Game goes into extra time. The two-point golden goal rule is in effect. Trevor Thorne scores for Barbados, which gives them a 4-2 to win. And they move on to the first round of the Caribbean Cup, which is crazy, right? Look, I try to find footage of this game. There's just like little highlights. I would just love to see the whole chaos of this ensuing. I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah, I got someone. I feel like, can we get like a 30 for 30 on this game and then have like ESPN just dig up, you know, footage? I feel like it would be so good. I can't imagine, like, do you send five players on, or, you know, yeah, five players on both sides, you know, <laughs> and there's just empty space in the middle. Uh, I just, that, uh, it's crazy. So just some four-year information. Barbados goes into the first round of the Caribbean Cup and finished third in Group A. That ends their run because top two go on. The double golden goal rule was used five times to qualification in 1994. And uh, I was reading a journal called When Sports Go Awry by Graham Kendall and Liam J.A. Linton. In there, it said FIFA did not penalize the Barbados Federation, given that they were striving for the best outcome conditional upon the prevailing rules. Understandably, this rule was never used again. (laughs) (laughs) If I was creating that rule, I don't think I ever, I don't know. I feel like you had to have laid out every scenario that's possible. Like, what if, what if this happens? I think you just don't expect it. I feel like two doesn't make sense. Like if you were like, oh, overtime goal is worth half a goal. Then it's like, okay, sure. That makes sense. But like, why would you incentivize extra play? You know, why would you incentivize going into, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Soccer, football, it's a low scoring sport. Like you see a lot of score lines, zero, zero, one, zero. So yeah, I guess putting, hey, you get double the goals if you just (laughs) wait. (laughs) That's some uh, Mario Strikers kind of stuff, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. So the Grenadian manager, James Clarkson, had a similar response. In the post-game press conference, he said, I feel cheated. The person who came up with these rules must be a candidate for a madhouse. The game should never be played with so many players running around the field confused. Our players did not even know which direction to attack, our goal or their goal. I have never seen this happen before. In football, you're supposed to score against the opponents to win, not for them. What do you think about this statement, Bobby? How would you feel as the manager? I mean, I totally agree. So, like, I'm wondering at what point did Grenada be like, wait, we could probably just score on ourselves and then we'd still get the desired result. But then um, you think about it, but Barbados would get the ball back immediately after and then they can score on themselves again. So then it just becomes a permanent tie game. And then who scores last? is what you're coming down to. I feel like, too, like, I have to imagine they were like, that's weird, let's try to just score again, you know, and then then the light clicked, you know, the, the switch turned on, and then it's like, oh, they start pressuring backside, and, you know, you just send everyone for It's It's a very weird situation. I am not envious of the uh, Grenadian players playing, because uh, it would absolutely be just chaos, because it's like, all right, the best option seems to be our own goal. Oh, they sent people back. Then the best option is their goal. I would really love footage, as you said earlier. This would be just a a weird but fun thing to watch. And like, 
I feel like the best option would be for Grenada to score on their own goal because Barbados can't use their hands to prevent the ball from going in. Yeah, because you would be, that's weird. What's the situation like in that? I guess you get carded, but then they get a, a, it's it's odd. If you're trying to score on your own goal, but the quote unquote attacking person has a handball, then can you just, (laughs) we're getting too deep. We're getting too deep. Uh, I have questions, I guess, is just, I have questions about uh, everything. Yeah, I'd love to see this play out today. Hopefully they would just be like, we're the game, we're shutting down the game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, horrible situation, bad way to go out. Crafty play, I guess. You're playing within the confines of the rules, so, you know, I guess that's why FIFA didn't act against them, because it was perfectly in their best interest to seek this out, but just really unfortunate. Yeah, gamesmanship, I guess you could call it. Yeah, I guess. If, if, if laying on the ground, you know, as a keeper with the ball, you know, that is like lazily shot towards you, and, you know, making a big deal to get up as slowly as possible towards the end of the game is gamemanship. I guess this, too, is gamesmanship. Even more so, I would say. Do what you gotta do. Ends justify the means. <laughs> okay, so now for part two of the episode. So this is where the episode idea initially started. And we discussed earlier, you know, I think on the surface it makes sense for uh, the last two matches to be played at the same time for general fairness. And I think that's what everyone says when someone asks why we're playing the last two matches at the same time. It seems on the surface level just fine. If you think about it, you know, developing tournament rules, I think the person is absolutely crazy if they're like, we're going to play group stage. And the last game we're going to play at the same time, because, you know, there could be a conflict of interest and stuff like that. I think you would say, well, wait a minute, you're no one's cheated yet. Why would you do that? And so I think it makes sense for, you know, necessity to breed innovation for this, you know. And so maybe in the back of my head, I should have expected something like this to happen. But just, nope, hadn't put any thought to it. Yeah, it makes sense from a competitive standpoint to have them at the same time. But also, it makes it really fun to watch as a viewer, as long as you have two TV screens. You get to see the chaos unfold. You know, today we have the communication. We can just be like, oh, Japan scored in the other game. We got to push forward in our game now to score and get a better result. But I'm wondering back in like the 90s, like how good was communication (laughs) You just have a guy running back from the other stadium, just like whenever something happens, just full booking it. I feel like, too, it would be very interesting to cut off communication for the teams. And like, I think the fans would intervene, but I think you can't control that. But mm-hmm. it would be very interesting for the, you know, for the sidelines to not know the information at all. Yeah. But anyway, at the 1982 FIFA World Cup in Spain, the sixth and final match of Group 2 would take place between West Germany and Austria in El Monlinon Stadium in Gijón. Hihan is like on the north coast of Spain for, you know, for your information. It's also very beautiful. Google it. It's incredible. Um, This match would be forever referred to as the disgrace of Hihan. Some background. I stated earlier, group two has West Germany and Austria, but the two other teams are Algeria and Chile. So I provided the point table to you, Bobby. Uh, First thing, do you notice anything weird about this table? So I'm guessing this is what you're referring to, but the points totals were different back then. You get two points for a win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's just go through the point table. So right now, before this match, Austria was ahead uh, with two wins. Algeria was second with two wins and a loss. West Germany had one win and one loss. And Chile lost, unfortunately, lost all three of their games. So before the final match, Algeria had shocked the world. Uh, defeated West Germany 2-1. to one. It's considered one of the biggest World Cup upsets of all time. I think someone had stated that it was the biggest upset since North Korea beat Italy 
um, in I think the 1996 World Cup. 66. Yeah, yeah. And just for, you know, just worldview, because we both weren't alive at this, Algeria were having an incredible World Cup. It would be the first time an African team or an Arab team beat a European team at the World Cup. And even though they would lose to Austria 0-2, to when they beat Chile 3-2, to they became the first African or Arab team to win twice at the World Cup. So, insane year for them. In the final game, here are the scenarios. You know, they love to talk about the last day. All right, what do you have to do to get in? You know, what's the situation? So, here are the scenarios. If West Germany wins by one or two goals, it would send West Germany and Austria forward. If West Germany wins by three goals, the deciding tiebreaker between Algeria and Austria would be goal scored. And Austria would have needed to score two to advance. Or, you know, at least two. They could have scored more. And then if West Germany wins or draws, they're eliminated. So pretty normal circumstance, I guess, for groups. It's usually some team is you you have to win to be in. I feel like there's always that situation in a group. And then some weird stuff in, if uh, West Germany scores a lot. Right. Um, one thing that I've noticed here. So dating back to, I think, 1998 World Cup was the first one with 32 teams. The The current format that we've had for most of our lives. And I don't think in any scenario did three teams in the same group win twice. So like... In modern terms, three teams finishing level on six points. No team that's won two games has been eliminated in the group stage. But this is what we're looking at right here. Mm-hmm. A spicy, a spicy group. So an early intense tag from West Germany leads to Horst Herbesch scoring in the 10th minute. And then after the goal, not much happens between the two teams. Um, generally, the two teams stay on their half, passing the ball to each other. Every now and then there'd be a, a tackle or two, but not really trying minimal effort, and shots on goal wouldn't be close. There was a clear lack of effort to play the game. And there were two players, we'll give them credit because they were trying, and there were two players who seemed to show effort during the play. Walter Schockner of Austria and Wolfgang Drimmler of West Germany. The game would play out. West Germany would go on to win 1-0, taking first place in the group and kicking out Algeria. Naturally, Algeria and friends were frustrated with the result. I think at the end of the game, they were waving money towards the team, you know, basically saying, you know, you were paid to do this result. And spectators threw eggs and other projectiles at the team. I think West German fans also got involved. And actually during the match, the TV commentators were telling viewers to change the channel and watch something else because it wasn't worth watching. That's how bad it was. It seems like a disgrace to everything. Competitive sport. It's just a slap in the face technically legal match fixing you could call it yeah and probably the worst way to go out for algeria who's having nothing short of a fantastic world cup yeah and if this were held today i don't know assuming that results held and maybe austria wants to top their group you'd you'd think logically austria would want to top their group but i guess not and you'd think maybe there's a rivalry between them and west germany but again let's just Hold hands and walk through to the next round together. Look at us. Harmony between nations. Well, and something that that was something I guess that I was also puzzled about. Why would you ever want to take second place? Usually that means an easier matchup for you. But um, looking at the results, Austria in second place were slated to face against France and Ireland. West Germany taking first place was slated to face England and Spain. So I think there were some benefits to West Germany getting in and taking the first group and Austria taking the second group. But it's, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's tough. It's tough to say like France, I know was really good in the eighties. I'd assume that England and Spain were also competent, but I guess having Ireland, you're like, Oh, well that's a team that isn't quite at elite level. Yeah. 
mean, you got to feel bad for Algeria. Yeah, I have to imagine there's bad blood still to this day. I mean, you think now Ghana and Uruguay still have the bad blood after Suarez's handball. We we can meme it to death. I feel like had this happened in modern times, we would this would just be an internet meme. Yeah, for real. I think 25 years late, you know, give or take a few years, Hans Peter Breigel would apologize for the World Cup and basically admitted that there was an agreement between West Germany and Austria to allow for a one nil finish. Oof. So not surprising, but I guess it being admitted to is better, I guess. And then just saying, oh, no, nothing really happened and we didn't do anything, even though our play was very indicative of match fixing. Yeah, I guess better to admit it. Whenever I think of admitting your past mistakes, I always think of steroid users in baseball. And people who come clean, they're generally more accepted. I mean, you can still hate them, but time will forgive them more than anyone who denies it and just stays mired in controversy forever. Yeah, so two absolutely insane finishes to major tournaments. Definitely unfortunate for the losing teams involved. It seems like every few years something happens on the World Cup stage that stirs some controversy. And in these cases, they've changed the way the game is played. Hopefully we've reached the end of cases of unfair play. But on the biggest stage where there's lots of money on the line, I think there's always going to be opportunities for it. I guess at the time that these rules happened, you wouldn't think that anything bad would have happened. I don't know what could happen today that would be so controversial on the field. I don't think anything crazy could happen with VAR, but that's the only uh, hot button I'd say right now in terms of gameplay. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Someone will get crafty out there. Yeah, and maybe we'll get a situation where people are shooting goals in the back of their nets and it's going back and forth off the <laughs> off the kickoff. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, I feel like the world's too connected now and I'm sure there was a lot of money in professional football at the time, but now there's even more and there's more at stake, I feel like, uh, for these players. And it seems like you have everything's kind of put under a microscope, I guess. And I think it would be hard to be so blatant about it now. But anyway, that's all we have for this week. Tune in next week for a new country profile. Bobby, do you want to chime in and give us give us a clue? Give us a hint. Yeah, sure. We're going to a Pacific Island nation. So it's our first stop out there in the Pacific you know, touching on a country that I feel like, speaking for you and me both, we don't know too much about. I a vague, vague idea on what they do sporting-wise. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I feel like I don't know many countries in that, the names of them in that area in general. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's a bunch that I just, I know there's a lot, but I just, if you were like, hey, name even five, I'd be like, ooh, I don't know about that. So uh, it should be a good learning experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you're not subscribed already, think about subscribing. If you liked it, the biggest thing you can do to help us out is tell your friends, any anyone who you think will be interested in the content. Um, we're here every week, sometimes slightly more than once a week. But thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.